for it to learn the new system. So, uh, but it will help you in the days ahead. There will come a moment when you will have not only on your own phone, you will have the entire church directory, but you'll have your own personal account. And you'll be able to, speaking of giving, you'll be able to look on there and, and follow your own giving record right there on your own phone. And it'll be personalized to you. So that it does take some effort. And we're asking you to be, be patient with us, but we're asking you to participate with us. If you don't participate and we don't get the information from you, then it's not going to help us to be able to be as accountable as we should. And we believe God wants us to be accountable. If he collects tears in a bottle and he's going to be able to look at you one day and say, X amount of hairs fell off of your head, right, then he's a very accountable God. And we're simply trying to be, uh, trying to show greater accountability. I want to say a very special God bless you to Melissa Yoder who's in service with us today. She is our missionary per se. She is a missionary, but she's not a missionary, but she's doing missions work because she's down at Compact Children's Services or Family Services and the Assemblies of God. And we are so proud of the effort. She's here this weekend, uh, home this weekend. So God bless you, Melissa. We're praying for you when you're not here. Amen. And we miss you so bad, Joe's going to lead a whole group of people to come see you this, this summer. And secondly, and lastly, I do want to mention a very special congratulations to Sister Kathy Bernard, who is retiring after 30 years in the Rosebud Public School System. So, God bless you, Sister Kathy. Thank you for being a bright light that sometimes can be a dark place. And in the public schools are a dark place if it were not for... Right, Our men and women and our students that go there and become bright lights to illuminate those campuses. And thank you for being so faithful for these many 30 years and enjoy your retirement. And so what that means is you are now full-time grandmom or whatever you're called, nanny or mimi or whatever, grandma, granny, granny, all right. And they've got big plans for you already. I can guarantee that. So God bless you. I want to ask you today, we're going to go to the Word of God and I... You know, being a veteran myself, and, and it's easy, I could take this particular day and I could kind of turn it into a semi-patriotic emphasis, which I believe in very deeply. But rather than do so today, I'm going to take what's been provided for me by the selfless sacrifice of men and women, and that is I'm going to use my religious liberty to continue the theme that we began several weeks ago, not just me, but our pastors, our Wednesday night, and that's on the emphasis on the Holy Spirit. Now, there's something that I want to share with you today that I always try to bring clarity to, and that is, if you're new to an Assemblies of God church, then often you think that that's the only thing that we talk about is the power of the Holy Spirit or speaking in other tongues or something of that nature. But I've observed some of you that have joined the church recently that you realize that that's not the case, isn't it? And I'm going to look over here at you, Lane, because you and I have had this conversation. And you realize, after being down here, that that's not all that we emphasize. We teach a wide variety of doctrinal beliefs. And we, that we, we want to see you rooted and grounded. We want to see you uh, uh, being able to understand a, a, a quite a different uh, types of doctrines that the Scriptures teach us. But at the same time, we don't ever want to lose an emphasis on the doctrine that to a degree has given us our identity. Are you out there? One of the things that the founding fathers of the Assemblies of God in 1917 wrote in the 16 Fundamental Truths concerning um, 
the church and its mission. It's point number 10 of the 16 fundamental truths. It speaks of the church and its mission. And then they made it very particular to the assemblies of God that was being formed at that particular time. Well, actually it was formed in 1914, but doctrine was being chosen on that, at that particular council, which met in St. Louis because of doctrinal differences. And in point number 10, or, or fundamental truth number 10, it said that the assemblies of God exist expressly to give continuing emphasis for the need for New Testament believers to ardently seek for and receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And if we're not careful, if it's easy. It's easy to lose place in a changing climate, a changing cultural and church climate of the very doctrine that has, again, given you your identity within the context of the overall Christian faith. And I don't want to be guilty of this. And it's something that I have set my heart and these others have as well. So we're going to do that today. We're going to give some emphasis here. So I want to ask you, if you would, to take your Bibles and turn with me. There's going to be a total of about 10 verses of Scripture, I think, to open our Scripture reading. We're going to go first to Ephesians, I believe, chapter 5 is what I gave you initially. Is that correct? If you find it, and if you find it in your Bible, and stand, if you would, in honor of the reading of Scripture for us today. Here it says in verses 15 through 21, it says, See then that ye walk circumspectly. Now remember, I'm reading from the King James Version. I don't even like to say King James, but it's the authorized version. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And I say that, though, because sometimes the wording is a little bit different. It's not as familiar to uh, your personal reading experience but it's, it, I read it because it's, it, I'm trained in this, my, my mind is trained in it. So it's redeeming the time because the days are evil. So be very cautious, he said. Walk not as a fool, but as wise. How many of you love that? That's an important exhortation right there. I could, I could just camp, couldn't I, right here on those two verses. Don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We all need to be seeking for the will of God for our lives. Right? We're not our own. We were bought with a price. We want to glorify God in everything that we do and who we are. And then, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess. Hence, interpreted a total abstainer from all alcoholic beverages. I was hoping I'd get a bigger amen than that. That's the way I interpret that. Obviously, everybody else does not interpret it that way. But that's the way I receive it for myself. But it says, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So look at the contrast there for a moment. Don't be drunk with wine. We know what can happen when you get too much wine. <laughs> but be filled with the Spirit. Now, then verses 19 through 21. Speak to yourselves psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, that's our text that we're choosing, and I'm choosing those words that are very familiar to us. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, or be filled with the Spirit in verse number 18. I've got a couple of subtexts, but I'm going to let you be seated after prayer before we read those. So let's take a moment. Lord, we are grateful for the reading of Scripture, and we're going to continue in the reading of Scripture. But God, we wanted to stand to simply honor, God, that, that we would hear the Word of God, that we would hear the audible reading of the recorded text and God, as we go farther into this text, and then we go and add exhortation and teaching to it, 
I just pray that the Spirit of God would have a liberty among us. Who will pray that with me today? May the Spirit of God have a liberty among us. And I pray that you would help us to see what you'd want us to see, to hear what you'd want us to hear, and understand what you'd want us to understand, that we might be moved in faith, God, to receive of this great blessing, Lord. It's in Jesus' name, and all God's children would say, Amen and Amen. And you can be seated. Now, but before I continue reading in a couple of other passages of Scripture, I want to take a moment to just kind of dialogue with that text for a moment. That when you read that text of Scripture here in Ephesians chapter number 5, what does that particular, those six verses, I guess it is, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven verses, what does that do for you personally? When you read it and you kind of fold it together and you start out with this exhortation that we're to walk cautiously, not as fools but as wise, the time in which we live can be an evil time, and what do we need in order to be able to face the, the dangerous or even the perilous times in which we are living in today. Whether they're dangerous or perilous, we can definitely say they're uncertain and they're, they're quickly changing. What we need is to be filled with the Spirit. And then uh, not only being filled with the Spirit, verse ni- 19 then speaks about, uh, uh, when I read this, that, that worship, your personal worship that is... Uh, uh, that is aided by what happens on the platform. How many you know what happens on the platform does not dictate our worship for us? What happens on the platform is simply a tool to help encourage us in our worship to God. But when you have the Word and the experience of the power of the Holy Spirit in your heart, you're going to sing unto God's song. God will give you a song, won't He? A spiritual song, and you'll make melody in your heart. So when you see verse 19 and you attach it to the latter phrase there in verse 18 about being filled with the Spirit, does speaking in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, does that lead to you being filled with the Spirit, or is it the fruit of being filled with the Spirit, or is it a little measure of both? One thing I want to encourage you in is this, is that your worship can lead to being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. There can be an outflow of God's Spirit upon you. So, Again, does this, reading this text, does that spark your desire to be filled with the Spirit of God? Now, obviously, being filled with the Spirit, those five words there are interpreted differently by different people. But I'm going to share with you what I, how I interpret it here as this unfolds. So now let's go back to Acts chapter 2. This is a familiar passage related to the Pentecost. Last week was Pentecostal Sunday, or Pentecost Sunday, across uh, the Christian community, certainly the Jewish community. And I chose not to teach or preach or minister on the baptism in the Spirit. I chose to minister, rather, the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. But today I'm I'm connecting and I'm building upon this. So in Acts 2, verses 1 through 4, very familiar, but I want want you to catch your attention on the fourth verse especially. The day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all with one accord and in one place. And there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house wherein they were sitting. That'd be exciting to happen right here, wouldn't it? Well, come on now, verse number three, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues or divided tongues as of fire, and it set upon each of them. And I know some people 
are not necessarily weirded out by tongues, but you are a little bit uh, standoffish because there's an uncertainty. That's why I try to help you the very best that I can. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues. Notice this, as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit of God did a work in the heart and life of each individual, and they began to speak forth uh, uh, tongues uh, as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Now, that's not all that they spoke. They declared the wonderful works of God. They, they, they openly declared, we read that later in the text, but now I want to go to the next chapter of Ephesians, and we're going to try to tie these together, because obviously there's something in my heart that is, uh, I want you to receive something, and I'm going to share that with you here in just a moment. Again, I'm showing you the fruit of, or the work of the Spirit in the life of a believer. So here in verse number 18 and 19 of chapter 6, he says, Paul writing, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, comma, right there. Now, anybody that's ever studied Scripture very long knows that Ephesians 6 is the spiritual warfare chapter. It begins in the 10th verse, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Having done all, simply stand, and you stand clothed with the armor of God, and you have a sword of the Spirit in which you combat both unbelief, and you combat heresy, and you combat demonic powers. Is that right? But then he adds, so we often take it verses 10 through 17 and pause, but really verse 18 is where uh, where a lot of this is exercised in your life. It's exercised in prayer by the power supplied by supplication and intercession through the power of the Spirit of God. Because not only am I I'm, I'm standing against the darkness of this age, but I'm also interceding and I'm praying for all saints. I need the unction and I need the Spirit of God in my life. And so then verse number 19, I want you to catch this. So then Paul said, once he's got this group of people full of the Holy Spirit who are not living for themselves, but they're living for others, he said, and now he said, I want you to be clothed with the armor of God. I want you to be praying. And he said, and by the way, I want you to pray for me. That's a good prayer, isn't it? And look, but look how he said it. And this is what's drawn my attention to it. He said, and pray for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So I know what Paul is praying here, or asking the Ephesians to pray for him, is that he will boldly proclaim the gospel of Christ. But I want you to catch those few words in the phrase there, or this verse. And for me that utterance may be given unto me. So go back to the fourth verse of the second chapter of the book of Acts where it says, and when the Spirit of God came and set upon them, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. So I have a prayer for you today. I pray for you, each one of us here today, from the youngest to the eldest, that you'll be filled with the power of the Spirit of God and God will give you utterance. That he, will, he will fill you unto overflowing and there will be an utterance both in prophetic words and also in speaking in other tongues or unknown tongues or the prayer language that as I told you on Wednesday night or Jace told you on my behalf that I was going to pray today that the tongue would be loosed, that you would have a freedom to begin to express what's happened inside your heart. The overflowing, overwhelming work of the Spirit of God finds its outlet through your mouth. Oh, that's good preaching right there. Now, let me share with you a few just nuggets here before we 
kind of just uh, begin to point this in a certain direction. I have a desire for you, Romans 1 to 11. Romans 1 to 11 is a verse of Scripture. He said, I long to see you, Paul said, that I may impart unto you, notice the words, a spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. Here's the heart of the apostle en route to the Roman church, and he said, I can't wait to see you because there's something in me that will help you. As a pastor, I have that same expectation. And my expectation is, I want to be honest with you today, I am baptized in the Holy Spirit. I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and yes, I speak in tongues on a personal, devotional level. I pray and, and, and intercede in the Spirit. And the very experience that I have, I long for you to have that, I'm going to be honest. I want every one of you to have it. It so radically altered my life and my Christian experience when I was 17 that now 35 years later, nothing has changed. From every one of you, this is my desire for you. I want you to experience what I experienced because I know that it can alter your Christian experience. I do know that. Many, I'm not alone in this room. There are many others under the sound of my voice. But I do have a fear. Here's my fear. My fear is, is that I will preach, teach, and pray, and no one will receive. That's dejecting. It's not like going fishing. Where you go fishing and you're like, oh, well, I didn't catch anything, but I sure enjoyed the birds. Or I enjoyed being on the water. Or I enjoyed being away from my work environment. Man, I came here today. And so what happens if I'm not careful, the spirit of unbelief will come in and take that fear and use it that will prohibit me from speaking. And so if I don't speak and declare to you the truth of the scriptures, then what are you going to put your faith in? What are you going to grasp hold of? So the promises have to be shared in order to be received, right? Isn't that, why, isn't that why Paul said, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach, that share? So I want to share today. And so, again, my fear, no one will receive. It creates hesitancies. And so, but I'm going to combat that. I'm going to, over, I'm going to overcome that by the power of faith. So how do, I, how do I overwhelm that fear? I pray. Here's my prayer in intercession. I say, God, give me the gift of faith that will overwhelm my fear. I, and I'm not even talking about learning faith or growing in faith. I'm talking about supernatural. In this moment, when the time comes to exhort you by the word of God, that God will drop down in my spirit the spiritual gift of faith so that when that spiritual gift of faith is active inside of me, it will agitate a desire, a desire inside of you. Number three, let me go ahead and put this down for you. I've got 10 or so bullet points that I'm just running over real quickly. I have the necessary knowledge to do two things concerning the baptism in the Holy Spirit and with the initial evidence of speaking other tongues, I can do two things. I can defend the doctrine, and I can teach the doctrine. I can do both, and what I'm saying that, I'm not saying that in an arrogant way. I'm simply saying that based upon my own personal experience and the countless hours of study and reading and research, I wrote it this way, apart from the knowledge of the Greek language, which I have none, and I struggle with good English at times, and I know that you can say, Pastor, I know. Yes, I knew I'd get a few amens on that. But I want to say this again. I could sit down in a learned room of scholars and I would not be intimidated because I have the doctrine, the knowledge, and the experience. So I'm going to use that to say, but you know what? I've got the ability to instruct you. But number four, very quickly, there's a difference between instruction and impartation. We need more than instruction. 
We can buy every book from Springfield, Missouri or from Tulsa, Oklahoma if we want to. But that's not going to meet the need of you receiving because you've got to receive by faith. So there's got to be a spirit of faith that's going to allow God to impart. The word impart means to give. There's got to be a giving of these spiritual gifts and the work of the Spirit in the life of a believer. Amen? Number five, my desire's not enough. Can't just be my desire. Hello? It's got to be your desire. My desire for you is not enough. You have got to desire this for yourself. You got to long for it. I want, I long for these things in my life when I was a young man. And so what I hope for is that there is a contagious spirit of desire in the life of us pastors and the lives of the other men and women that are received of the experience of the baptism, that it keeps you not, if you haven't received, that it doesn't keep you in that isolated place where you feel condemned because you too, there's a fear that you may have. You say, Pastor, I went to the front before. I never received. I pray. You know what we encourage you to do? Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. So don't allow what's not happened previously to prohibit you from believing that today is your day. All right, that's good preaching once again. I'm going to start writing that down every time that I say that's good preaching. Because sometimes the preaching's better than your shouting. Number six, your and slash my desire must be pure. Our motive must be pure. What's our motive? Is our motive so that we can post on Facebook at Heber First Assembly, 12 people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit on a certain day? Is that our motive? Or is our motive born of that, God, I want to see you glorified. I want the people's tongue to be loosed. I know what can happen when the Spirit of God comes on you and the anointing of God begins to flow in your life. Remember what Moses said, the man of God, when Joshua tried to silence the two people that were prophesying all the way back in Numbers chapter number 11. You've heard me reference this more than one occasion. When Moses turned to Joshua, when Joshua tried to stop them from prophesying, he said, Joshua, don't do that for my sake. He said, here's my prayer. My prayer is that all of God's people. He said that all of God's people would have the Spirit of God come upon them and they could all prophesy. How many know that's the generation in which we live today when the promise on the day of Pentecost was is that God would pour His Spirit out upon all flesh, sons and daughters, young men and old men and young ladies and older women, rich or poor, slave or free, it mattered not. If you were born from above, then you could receive the power of the Spirit of God in your life. And when your tongue gets loosed, I want you to know you will see the life of God. The power of God's presence, when that prophetic unction comes upon you, both in tongues and in the spirit of prophecy, you will see a change that is worked in your life, your family, your home, because I still believe this, life and death is in the power of the tongue. And when I can speak the prophetic words of God, and I can pray in the spirit, I'm telling you, I can move heaven and earth by the power of God. Number seven, let's go on down. Instruction is necessary, but instruction alone is not sufficient. I cannot teach you adequately enough for understanding to be the determining factor in you receiving. Right? I mean, it's not about us taking you into a 17-week class till we give you a diploma. It's about simply receiving by faith. Joe's going to take the students down to the 
to campus happens every year. You got little children from those that go to children's camp all the way to the teenagers that they don't have, they can't write books on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But when the water stirred and they're standing close enough to the water, is that right? And so it's more than instruction. Beyond, I wrote it this way: is that in this context, experience is probably equated to, or perhaps even preferred to, instruction. I want you to have the experience more than the instruction. Even if you simply say, Pastor, I don't know that I'll ever be able to defend speaking other tongues in the context of, you know, uh, an argument with somebody who doesn't believe. You know, how, you know what your defense is when you get alone in the prayer closet and out of your belly begins to flow a river of living water? There's your defense right there. And when you silence the accuser and you loose the power of God in your family, that's enough. Right? That's enough right there. Paul said, when I pray in the Spirit, he said, my understanding is unfruitful. So instruction is necessary, but it's not sufficient. Number eight, here's what we've done as pastors. It's what I've done personally for now, these many years that I've been pastoring, 25 years. We have taught openly our doctrinal belief in the initial evidence. What do we mean by that? The initial evidence simply is that if you're going to be filled, go back to Ephesians 5 and 18, don't be drunk with wine where it is in excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is our belief that when you have, there's going to be an initial moment at some point that you're going to be able to look back on in your life and say it was there that the Spirit of God came upon me, filled me, I spoke in other tongues, I was baptized. There's a lot of ways that we can describe it, but that you will have a distinguishable moment that you look back, and we believe that it is evidenced by speaking in other tongues. And this message today is not about trying to teach you. I went back, I've got sermon after sermon. I've studied, I've read, I've researched. I went back through my own sermons. I've got countless uh, sermons in file that I have prayed and prepared and, and, and ministered to the people of God. But today, this is more. This, I'm not here to defend that doctrine. But I am simply here to remind you this, that we believe that your tongue needs to be loosed. That you've got to open up your mouth. If you're going to be filled with the Spirit, you've got to put volume. You've got to open your mouth and let what's in here out. That's why we encourage you in worship, don't be ashamed. Lift up your voice and declare the glory of God. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Speak the words. Let things flow. When you get the water flowing, there's no telling what God can add in it. Number nine, tongues have always been controversial and guess what nothing is going to change for your sake tongues have always been controversial acts chapter 2 before the day was out everybody wasn't speaking in other tongues some were mocking others were saying these folks are drunk i would almost take a moment like that again we're getting real quiet in the Pentecostal church again. We're almost at the edge where we've fallen prey to we're almost, we're almost um, Pentecostal in theology, Baptist in experience. We're afraid to challenge ourselves. We're afraid to say, well, Grandma had it, but I'm not sure I want what she had. But I want you to know today, the promise is to you, but you've got to desire these things. There's going to be controversy in your life. And controversy comes from a lot of different places. I'm not going to debate those today. 
Perhaps the greatest one is the gift of tongues versus the evidence of tongues. That debate is going to always be present in the church. If you don't know much about it, come out Wednesday night, and I'll pick up that instructional hat to try to help you with this Wednesday night. But you have to accept this right here, and that is that it's, your experience is going to be controversial, and not everybody's going to agree. And they're even within the Christian community. Most of the mocking that happens to Pentecostals does not happen from the folks in the world. It typically happens from other Christians who don't understand our experience. Now, I know that often there's a lot of weird things that happen in Pentecostalism. Some of my great uh, profound, I know that if anybody ever writes profound points by Pastor Brown, I'm sure your book would be very small, very thin. But one of which I've said before, and I'll repeat it again, if, if you say, Pastor, the person that I know that spoke in other tongues was weird, remember my clarity for you on that was? It means they were weird before the Spirit of God came upon them. And the Spirit of God is trying to work that out in their lives. Hello, somebody. And so there's always going to be a controversy uh, associated with it, and you're just going to have to accept that. Not everybody's going to believe, and when you go to work, if you have an experience with God, whether here or alone or private, and you have a bleed-over moment, and you're, I mean, there's going to be a moment when somebody's going to look at it and think it's foolish, and they're going to try to belittle you, and they're going to question your experience, but I want you to know when that river's flowing out of your own belly, and you've got the life of God on the inside of you, that I'm telling you, it won't matter what people are saying around you, because it's too real inside of you in here. And the, two, the thing that I think is very necessary is that you have some measure of doctrinal understanding and experience. You put those two things together, and I'm telling you, the enemy can't take this away from you. Number 10, let me remind you of this real quickly. The foolish things. How many know speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God comes upon a believer is foolish to some? But can I remind you of a verse of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 1 and 27? For here the Apostle Paul says that God hath chosen. I may have not given you that verse, but I'll just quote it for you. God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the mighty. Let me just echo a few here today. It was foolish when God told Abraham he would have a son when he was old and his wife had passed menopause. It was foolish when God told Moses to take his shepherd's rod and go into the throne room of Pharaoh and cast the rod on the ground and it would become a serpent. And then when Pharaoh's magicians cast their three rods on the ground, the serpent that, mo- that, had be- that, 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 that the, the rod had become a serpent of Moses ate up the three rods of the Egyptians. And then Moses reached his hand back down and caught the snake by the tail, and it became a rod again. And then when they were caught on the backside of the desert with the Red Sea separating them from the promised land, or at least the journey to the promised land and the Egyptian army behind them, God told Moses to take that same rod and stand on a hill. So you start trying to reason this out, you're going you're to always be struggling because it didn't make any reason for Moses to stand on the edge of the hill and hold a rod out over the swirling waters of the Red Sea. But he did it. And I came along to tell you that two million men, women, boys, and girls walked over on dry ground and Pharaoh's army was buried underneath the sea. 
So God chooses the foolish things of the world. God told Samson if he wouldn't get a haircut, he would have great strength. Elijah told a widow to make him a cake first and give it to him, and it would empty the barrel. But if she obeyed the word of the man of God, God said as long as there's a famine in the land, there will always be meal in that barrel, and there'll be a, uh, that oil will be full in that cruise. Let's go a little farther. Elisha told the people to cast salt in the well, and it would be healed. To put meal in the porridge where there was poison, and the vines wouldn't cause any harm. And he told Naaman to dip seven times in the Jordan River, and your lifetime of leprosy would be washed away by the power of the Word of God. I'm telling you, God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the mighty. David chose a sling to defeat an armed giant. Saul fell amongst the prophets, and he too prophesied. It was foolish to the ears of the aged Elizabeth that she would conceive in her old age and bear a son. But not only did she bear a son, but she prophesied about his destiny when the Spirit of God came upon her. Foolish things. Jesus often displayed the Father's glory with foolish commands. Fill the water pots with water and draw out the wine. Fear not, Jairus. They've said your daughter's dead. She's asleep, and I'm going to go wake her up. Woo! Take away the stone, Martha. Martha said, Lord, he's been in there for four days, and he stinks. He said, I said, take away the stone, and you'll see the glory of God. Maybe you need to take away the stone that's hindering your heart from receiving all that God has for you. Because when it gets filled with the glory of God, something's coming out. God will loose your tongue, and you'll give you an utterance. Cast your net on the right side of the ship. Lord, we have toiled all night. I've tried again and again. I prayed, I asked, I sought. I went to the front. The evangelist anointed me with oil. The preacher prayed over me and nothing. But I came along to tell you to cast your net on the right side of the ship. And you'll make a catch. God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the body. Speaking in tongues, giving evidence to the baptism of the Spirit. It's foolish to some. <laughs> Oh, but it can bring the glory of God in the life of a believer. Let's make this real and let's get ready to close. Pastor Brown, share with me what's necessary. What's necessary? I came along to pray for faith today. Faith in you, faith in me. What's necessary? Before I address those real quickly, here's a few thoughts that often come to my mind. God, I've got to be sanctified. We talked about it Wednesday night. Jace taught us on it. I wrote it this way, Jace. Yes and no. Yes, we have to be sanctified. Yes, it's a work of grace. Yes, it's the power of the blood of Jesus. And yes, there's a lifetime of sanctification, progression. But you know what? At that moment of time, those things can overlap in a singular moment, almost like, uh, you know, water come, becoming wine. In a moment of time, in that moment, God just overlaps. You say, Pastor, what do I have to seek for hours, days, and weeks? Yes and no. Yes, if you haven't received, then you continue to seek. But it can all happen in one instant today. Just like that, it's yes and no. What about the laying on of hands? Does a dynamic pastor or an evangelist or a prophet or apostle, does there somebody in the fivefold ministry have to come lay hands on me? Yes and no. Sometimes it helps. Sometimes it might hinder. You get enough people popping you on the head, that can create a little confusion. Hello? And so it's a yes and no. What about being loud and expressive? Yes and no. You need to open your mouth. You need to have your tongue loosed. You don't have to be loud, but you might be loud. 
but you might be quiet. What I'm saying is by yes and no is we're not going it's not in a box. Your experience may not look just like someone else's, but you need the experience. It's not, say, Pastor, what's necessary? It's on the screen. Faith. Faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I came along to tell you today, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's the Father's good pleasure for his spirit to be poured out upon all of his children. It's the Father's good pleasure for you to have your tongue loose and the Spirit of God that will bubble up on the inside of you, where you will be able to look back and say, from that day forward, I can say the Spirit of the living God came upon my life, and I've been, the, I've been a changed person ever since. I was born again previously. I had a commitment to faith in Christ. I loved the Lord with all my heart, but I needed the power of God. But I got along with Jesus, and the Spirit of God came and filled me unto overflowing. And everything began to change from that moment. My tongue was loosed. I began to worship freely, openly. I had a prophetic unction and an anointing in my life. I could pray in my understanding, and I could pray in the Spirit. I could sing in my understanding, and I could sing in my spirit. Ooh, that's good preaching. I wish y'all would help me on this a little bit. Got to have desire. That's the one thing I can't. That, I can help you with your faith. I can teach you the importance of utterance. But I can't alter your desire. All of the farmers in here used to tell me, and I hence have become one, we can lead you to the water but we can't make you drink. That's on you. I came here today saying, Pastor Brown, within yourself, a thousand voices in my mind of unbelief trying to hinder me because do I give the whole message for the sake of a few? What if it's only two people that come forward? What if there's uh, just one person? That, or what if no, all these thoughts? But I came here and I said, God, I've got to connect to the original passionate plea of the founding fathers of the Assemblies of God who said we must give continuing emphasis. This past Wednesday night, we took communion. Communion is an emphasis on the redemptive blood of Jesus, the new covenant in his blood, isn't it? Is that right? And it was taken from the example of Passover, wasn't it? Right? Are you all out there? Passover, when the Children of Israel were brought out of Egypt when the death angel came through. But when he saw the houses of the Hebrews that had been marked by the blood of the lamb and they had eaten the flesh of the lamb inside their homes, what was the word that Moses, he said, when I see the blood, well, I will pass over you. And God told Israel, he said, every year, every year, teach this to your children so that your children will one day say, Dad, what's this all about? And he said, well, let me tell you about it. We were slaves in Egypt, and God brought us out. Well, here, I connect to that to say, we're a part of the Pentecostal movement, but we are so close to letting that baton slip right through our hands. If we don't encourage you to the degree that your desire is agitated within you to say, I've got to get what others have because I need it for my life and faith. Number 12 is the last one I'm closing today. Your desire. The baptism of the Holy Spirit I wrote down these things, just nugget, just to drop in your spirit. I don't know what time it is, but I'm going to lead us to an altar. I can't believe how quiet it is in here with this good of preaching. I know when I'm in fifth gear, fourth gear, third, or man, I'm still stuck in first gear. 
And I know when it's fluid, and it's fluid today. There's a fluid, there's a flow, there's an anointing. And it started when Caleb gave the exhortation in the middle of the song. If you can't feel it, something's wrong with your feeler. Old Billy Adams used to say, sometimes it's better felt than tell. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Is that right? And so uh, you could feel it. Everything shifted at that moment with that exhortation right there. What was that? That was the power of the Spirit that rose up out in that moment. Now, it was known language, but God made his utterance. He loosed his tongue. Where's the phrase, loose his tongue, come from? Say, Pastor, that is awful weird, that phrase. It's found in Luke chapter 1, verse 64 and verse 67. It's when Zechariah was asked to name his son. And all the women were wanting to remember the son that God gave him and Elizabeth in their old age. And he had been muted in the presence of God. So your tongue can be muted. It takes a sovereign work of the Holy Spirit to loose your tongue. Unbelief will cause you to not have any utterance. Man, I'm telling you the truth. Unbelief is what hinders us from letting the river flow. And so they came to Zechariah, and all the family said, we want to name him after Zechariah because he looks like Zechariah, and Zechariah is uh, now finally on Medicare, and he's now able to have a son. Who thought that? And, and, and he said, so we're going to name him Zechariah. And Elizabeth said, no, we're going to name him Johanan. Johanan in the Hebrew, we're going to name him uh, the name that was told by the angel. And Zechariah, they said, Zechariah, so we, you know you can't. He said, And the moment he struck the last word or the last letter of, of John, Johanan, on the writing tablet, his tongue was loosed immediately, and he spake and praised God. And so will you when your tongue gets loose. And look what happened. He was filled with the Holy Ghost, and he began to prophesy over the life of his child. How many of you say, that's what we need in the church. That's what we need in the home. We need fathers and mothers filled with the Holy Spirit who are speaking destiny over their own children because they're full of the Holy Ghost and they're passing that prophetic mantle to their children in Jesus' name. The Spirit of God comes upon you today. Let me tell you, the baptism of the Spirit. So, Pastor, I'm a little bit weirded out by it. Man, press in. God chooses the foolish things. Here's what I'll have. It's an endowment with power. It is the power of God. It's a sign to unbelievers that, man, something's happening there. Often it's the beginning place. But here's what it will produce in you. It'll give you a prayer language. It'll give you a prayer language. You'll communicate to the Father. 1 Corinthians 14 and 2 says this. He that speaketh in unknown tongues speaketh not unto men, but unto God. However, in the Spirit, actually it doesn't say however, it says how be it. In the Spirit, he speaketh mysteries. He speaketh mysteries. The Amplified Bible says that he speaks out the hidden wisdom of God, the things that were previously hidden. Now you are declaring them openly in your prayer time. Remember Ephesians 6 and 18 that you're to pray through the supplication of the power of the Spirit of God. What a gift of grace that God enables you to pray in the power of the Spirit that goes beyond your own natural language. It produces a prayer language. But it's subject to the speaker, on and off. You can turn it off and you can turn it on. The scripture says, 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, come back on Wednesday nights and I'll help you understand a little bit more, where Paul said, I will pray in the spirit and I will pray in my understanding. It's not tied to your emotions. I believe in emotions. If I was basing the, the, the doctrine that I'm preaching to you today 
on your emotional response, we would have already been like at the bowling alley and we're taking the ball and we slid it down and didn't hit a single pin. Because the emotion here is not feeding this message. It's not tied to emotion. I can pray in the Spirit when I don't feel anything at all. Because I will pray in the Spirit. Because the Spirit of God has given me utterance. And that which is inside of me has been loosed. And now I can. Now there are times you do feel things. Right? Thank God for those moments. We feel the glory of God at times. We experience the glory of God. There are times, and especially in a time of worship, in a heightened moment of worship, that you experience his presence. Isn't that right? And it moves you. But I want you to know that your experience is not dependent upon emotion. His spirit joins with your spirit and declares through you that you're a child of God. Lastly, it does what? It edifies the believer. It builds your, up, it builds your faith. It builds you up in the right way, not in an arrogant way, but it builds your faith. Here's where we're at. We're at the end of my preaching today. But are we at the end of experiencing what God has for us today? I came to this house today with an expectation that people would desire to seek after and receive of the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And for that to be received as people worship, as people receive prayer, as people kneel on their own, as people maybe right there at the seat where they're at. I don't know. Also, I've been doing this long enough to know that just because it doesn't happen here doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Right? Because if I base everything on what happens here, I tell you, I would go home dejected every Sunday. But I've learned that God moves way beyond. And he's going to move well beyond today. Ephesians 5. I'm going to ask, I want to ask Shane, I think the worship team should aid us here today. That we should speak with spiritual songs and hymns to create just a little bit more of a climate for God's presence. You know, back in days gone by, so what I'm saying is, if y'all join me on the platform, I think it will help us. That's interpretation. I think to them that I was speaking in other tongues and I needed the interpretation. Let me tell you real quickly, church family, I've been around Pentecostalism long enough now that the changing face of Pentecostalism is good and bad, positive and negative. Hello? In days gone by, here's how we prayed for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We cranked the worship team up, didn't they, Shane? It was typically on a Sunday night, and it wasn't the first song. It's about the eighth song. I mean, everybody was spiritually loosed. And remember, don't be drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, man, they sang over, and it was Jesus on the main line. Call him up, call him up, tell him what you want. If you need the Holy Ghost, call him up. So, I mean, it was over and over, and we would get it loud. We would get it so loud here so that perhaps people wouldn't hear themselves being prayed for. And, man, I'm telling you what, if you, if you could narrow down, sometimes there were some good things that happened, and sometimes there were some confusing things that happened. 
And so then the charismatic movement came along. The charismatic movement said, well, we don't necessarily have to have that all the time. And I've read books of some of these apostolic charismatic leaders that would just have it be quiet, somber. And they would just set chairs here in the front. And they'd say, if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, you'd come. People would just sit there. And then they would give them just some swift, quick instructions. And they would say, raise your hand. And they would say simply this. He said, you can't, if you ask the Lord to fill you, and once you ask the Lord to fill you, you don't speak out anything in English. You just begin to speak forth the utterance that's on the inside of your heart. So without the aid of worship and loud. And so then we drifted there. And then now, you know where we're at today? We don't even know where we're at. We don't know what, do we get it loud again? Do we get it quiet again? I don't care how it happens. It just needs to happen. You need the experience. You need this for your life. You need the power of the presence of God. We're not trying to belittle anybody. I didn't come here to, to, to take your experience and diminish it in con- contrasting it with someone else's. I came along to encourage you to encourage you. Go with us up on the mountain in that right, Jason. We're going to the holy mountain of God. We got a pure, what is it, clean hands and a pure heart. We want to see the glory of God. I ask you all to stand up with me today. And let's just, I want to ask you today, you just got to be courageous. And there's no other way to get around it. If you're seeking for the power and the presence of the Spirit of God in your life, then just come and make your way down the front. I don't know any other way to do it than to just say, and we're going to come by as pastors and leaders and pray with you. And if you say, Pastor, I've been filled with the Spirit before, but then why don't you come and just find a place on your own anyhow, and you worship and sing. we got to get the altar hot again, church family. we got to get the presence of God. There's a, something that happens when you go from there to here. There's a reason why, Gail, you anoint this altar on Saturdays. And so that when people go from here to there, something will happen right here. A sacred thing, a work of grace, a divine unction, the anointing of God, the anointing of God, the presence of God in Jesus' name. Now, church family, as the worship team begins to sing, I want to ask you to do a couple of things with me. Number one, I want you to give him glory. I don't know what time it is. I'm not going to try to... We're not going to put it back in like, oh, this is this time we're going to let you. No, this is between you and God. You worship freely and you express the desires of your heart to God. Because as they said earlier, God pours the spirit out upon the people that praise him. Is that Elmer and Amadel Stewart all the way in the back back there? Goodness gracious. What are y'all doing here? Y'all better be praying for this service right here now today. So glad to see y'all. And God, we need the power of the Holy Spirit right here in this place. So if you don't come forward, you need to be right here. Are you out there? If you don't come forward, you need to be right here. Or you need to be down here at your seat, worshiping God, blessing the Lord, praying. You say, Pastor, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Then you need to be praying, God, pour your Spirit out. You let the spirit of an intercessor come upon you right now and say, God, give us this mighty baptism. We need it. The individuals need it. God, we've got to have it. We can't live without it. The times are too demanding. We've got to have it in Jesus' name. So I'm going to let the worship team worship. I'm going to let you pray, and others of us are going to pray one for the other. God, we need you.